Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Habakkuk chapter 2. I want to read this out of the Amplified, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Everyone say, write the vision. And engrave it plainly on clay tablets so that the one who reads it will run. It says, because the vision, for the vision is yet for an appointed future time. You know, that's got to be probably maybe one of the most frustrating verses in the Bible, right? That God gives us this amazing vision, shows us these incredible things that are to happen or what he lays on your heart. Guys, I'll tell you, sometimes what we think is a burden on our heart, a grievance or a frustration, God's trying to indicate to you that's something that he wants you to be a solution to. Amen. Are there things that grieve you in this world today? Come on, are there things that just get under your skin, just make your skin crawl? I'm not talking about people running red lights or you know, poor Wi-Fi and things like that. I'm talking real time, real world uh, issues that we have in our world. And uh, it's important that we have the right heart Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about the posturing of our heart, a yielded heart, a positioned heart. It's important that when we face these or engage these frustrations that you don't grow bitter, angry, offended because you might be cutting yourself off from the very ones that God wants you to be an answer to. But you might be so upset with their lifestyle that you can't ever bring a solution to their lifestyle. Can I get an amen? I get two amens on that one. Because we, we love how being frustrated makes us feel, right? Venting our, opinion, our opinions and viewing our uh, grievances with an issue or a lifestyle or a decision or whatever. No, God's called us to be light. He's, he's not called you to, to just mingle among it and just, you know, sympathize with it. He's called you to, to change it. Y'all remember when Reverend Tony was here several weeks ago, about a month ago now? Uh, a couple months ago, that was back in March now, he ministered on salt. And one of the, the great elements of salt is it transforms, it changes whatever it's put into. And you know, you can't just salt a little bit here and a little bit there. Like when you put salt on something, it gets in there. It infiltrates, right? And you can't go picking it back. It's much more difficult to get it out than it was. I always ask at the, at the uh, uh, Mexican restaurant, if you want salt on your chips, because I'm about to go in, and there's no, just get it on one half. Huh? How many of y'all like salt on your chips at the Mac? Yeah, that's right. They never put enough, right? You got to get it in there. We're called to be salt. Infiltrate, permeate, get into the depth. But you can't get in there angry. And you can't get in there frustrated. And you can't get in there offended and bitter and so put off. I understand that it it rouses something within you, but that rousing within you is because you're called to change it. That rousing within you is because you're called to be an answer somewhere, to be a solution to something, amen? But it says that the vision is yet for an appointed time. And you know, there's times where we think when we get the vision, we're ready for the vision. When we get the vision, we're, all right, you know, How do we make it happen? And God 
winds us all the way back to the beginning because there's a gap between where you are and where you need to be. And there's this process in between. The vision is yet for an appointed time. It hurries toward the goal. So we're working with urgency, a goal of fulfillment. It will not fail. Everyone say it will not fail. Those four words might be the most important part of the process because uh, many times progress doesn't feel like progress. Huh? It feels like you're taking one step forward and five steps backward. But know that God is always working. God's always moving in the midst of it. And a lot of times it's just a, a, a test of your character, a test of your obedience, kind of what we talked about on, on Sunday, a test of your endurance and your commitment to the process. Are you only bought in as long as everything goes right? The money's there, the people agree, the people follow, or even in adverse conditions. Huh? With opposition and re resistance, meeting that resistance, will you stick with my plan? You know, and we have to be able to stick with his word and stick with his plan and stick with his vision. That's why he says, write it down. Keep it in front of you is what he's saying. It's very difficult to execute something that is not familiar to you. That is not something that has, you've, you've worked into your DNA and into your thinking and you've, you've wedged it in. I mean, when you, when you find someone full of vision and full of purpose, I mean, they eat it, drink it, sweat it, bleed it, sleep it, right? I mean, it's a part of their everyday life. It comes out of them on accident. They're not even trying to tell you about the vision. They're not even trying to tell you about God's calling me to this or I'm going to do that. Or they're, they're not even trying to bring that. It's just a part of them. That's because they have kept it in front of them. He says, write it plainly because there will be a time you cannot look around and see the vision. So you don't look around and see vision. Vision doesn't look around. Vision looks ahead. Vision doesn't look around. See, when you start looking around, you start taking census. You start looking for indicators. Am I on the right track? Am I doing the right thing? Am I moving in the right direction? You start looking for these natural things to appease you that I'm doing. And you know what? There, there are just things God's going to call you to that on the outside is not going to look like progress at all. But God values your opinion much more than your success compared to man's idea. Man's idea of success rarely looks like God's idea of success. In fact, a lot of times they just look like the complete opposite. And you know what's so cool is we have a big old book, 66 of them combined into one, of story after story and character after character and example after example of people that were called to a vision to build a boat, free some Hebrew slaves, slay a, a giant, save a nation, redeem the world, start and plant churches. And, and one after another, there's, there's some common denominators. One, they're all unqualified. You ever notice that? The Bible's full of unqualified people compared to man's standard. And number two, they were met with great resistance. That's a common denominator. If you think you're the one that has found a way around being successful, in, uh, you know, looking like a success in the natural and being able to do it without any opposition, 
go for it. Be my guest. You ain't going to make it. You have, you, God has not, uh, you know, waited to find you. He has, he has picked on, looked for, searched for people that the world has cast aside, set aside, overlooked, neglected, abandoned, gave every reason in the book why you don't measure up, why you're not capable. Amen? But we have to be able to have this element of vision working in our lives. It says it hurries toward the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail, even though it delays. Wait patiently. We talked about that Sunday, didn't we? Patience is not just waiting, but it's waiting with a good attitude. I remember Camden came home. I don't know where he learned that, if it was here or if it was at school. Uh, But, uh, you know, that's pretty, um, you know, challenging as a parent to hear your child tell you patience means waiting with a good attitude. Well, I'm waiting with a good attitude to for you to clean your room. <laughs> Doesn't negate that I'm still asking you to do something and you need to obey. If you've been sent in my life to test my patience and build my character, then so be it. But the assignment is still there. Amen. Now, I remember him coming home with that. Patience means waiting with a good, you know, some of us are good at waiting with a bad attitude. You know, either way, you're waiting. You know, you get behind that lady at the checkout counter that's just, she's going to pay with every last penny in her purse. And you're thinking, man, there's this plastic little rectangular thing and you can tap it now. You know, you can swipe it, slide it. I mean, there's so many options that are way faster than you emptying your piggy bank out right here in the middle of, I got somewhere, but you're waiting, waiting anyways. And maybe God's waiting for you to pay for her groceries. I mean, I'm not saying he is, I'm just putting it out there. Maybe there's something God's doing in the process. There's a reason why we're waiting patiently. Even in the waiting, even in the delaying, there's still a purpose. That's how purposeful God is. That's not wasted time to God. The waiting and the delays and the patience and why is this taking forever and why hasn't it happened? God's not up there just like, oh, we're just killing time. There's really no meaning. No, there's a work being done. He's doing something. He's shaping something. He's molding. It might be the conditions. It might be the circumstances of the thing that he's calling you into that they have to shape up first. But a lot of times you find out he's really working on you. Even though it delays, wait patiently for it because it will certainly come. It will not delay. So that means what feels like a delay to us, to God, is really intentional. A delay means it could happen right now, but it's just not. But with God, even the delay has a purpose or assignment to it. Amen. Go with me to um, Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. Looking at some Old Testament books here. Just want to speak to you a little bit on how we see this purpose and this vision come to pass. God is a God of vision. God doesn't do anything without casting vision. God is a visionary. That's how he operates. 
God always speaks to something way before it's capable, able, uh, has everything that it needs to accomplish because God is a God of faith. The Bible actually tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. Actually, what we learn about God, we ought to be learning about ourselves. I said, what we learn about God, we ought to be learning about ourselves. If God is a visionary, if God operates by faith, if God uh, moves by faith, then you and I should be taking some cues here. We should be taking some notes and saying, hey, you know what? Maybe that's how I should be operating. Maybe I shouldn't just be responding to what I see. Maybe I should be responding by what I want to see. You know, you think about Abraham, you know, being a father, not just a father, but a father of many nations. That's a big vision for somebody that's 75 years old and is married to someone that can't even have children, has never been able to produce children, even in her younger years. You know, that, that, that's a pretty daunting task. Amen? In the natural, naturally speaking. But this gives us an insight into how God operates, the way God thinks, the way God moves. And I, I don't want us to be, I don't believe the church in the last days can be a church that thrives off of just being moved by what we see, by just operating, uh, you know, with just the bare minimum of faith. I want to see great faith. I think that great things are done by people that operate with great faith and ability to believe for the big things. Take the small steps, but believe for the big things. Amen. We need to get a visionary uh, capacity within us. And this is what uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 55 says. Start with verse six. In the New Living, it says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. In verse eight, it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, for ages, we have used this verse as the exception, the reason why we don't think big. The reason why we don't believe big, the reason why we, we, we have used this verse as the, the ultimate Christian crutch for not living and breathing and moving beyond our natural means. It's, it's, it's an overwhelming verse that we read. It's like, oh, He's so far out there, I could never know. He, he's, he, he's, he imagines things and thinks things and sees things that are so far beyond my natural ability, my measly little mind, and we've used it as an excuse rather than an invitation. This verse is an invitation. This verse is, is God literally saying to us, come on up. Come on up to my ways, I challenge you to think on my level. I challenge you to see on my level. 
You know, one of my favorite verses, we use it a lot in here, Colossians chapter three, verse one, set your mind on things above. Why is that so important? Because on our level, we will never see. And if you always want God to come down to your level, then he's only gonna be as big as you can ever get him to be. I wanna see how big God really is. Come on, I wanna see, man, I, I, I'm, guys, we, we, it's easy to cower into the small thinking of the world. That's easy. Man, anybody can do that. All you need is a Facebook account to see the way people see, to, to respond on that level and live. That's all you need, man. Just go sign up, sign up for one. You'll see how small they think. You'll see how minimal we live. And God is wanting to call us higher, farther, deeper. Now, I'm not talking the super spiritual deep that everything's above everybody's head and you can't ever relate to anybody. You're so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good, right? We've heard all these things. No, we're talking about a heaven mindset that allows you to now bring that into this realm and be that answer and that solution we just saw in Habakkuk chapter two. But the vision's for an appointed time. It's for a delayed time. It's for a time that is, you're not seeing it in fruition here. But he says, my ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. My thoughts are greater. Come on up to where I'm at. Think on my level. See on my level. See what I'm doing in the midst of everything falling apart around you. See how I'm working. I, I made the statement on Sunday and, and you know, some people, they just, they don't like it. But God is not losing today. God's not running out of time. The church is not, you need to start, you need to start buying into that. You need to start seeing, we're not losing. We have a work to do. We're going to work, we're going to operate with urgency and intentionality. We're going to live beyond ourselves, but, but we're, I'm not like I'm playing from behind here. Like I'm trying to catch up to the devil. Like I'm making a comeback in the last day. God's not making a comeback. He's never been behind. <laughs> He's never been behind. He's so far ahead that, I mean, this is what we're talking about. You got to see on heaven's level, see with a heavenly perspective, see what God is trying to do in these last days, but it's going to require you coming out from. We cannot, we cannot see what God sees and think the way God thinks while remaining in what, what surrounds us. You're gonna have to remove some things. You're gonna have to come out from some things. You know, I mean, we don't have a lot of insight to what Noah had to do for those hundred years while he's building the ark, but I can, I can assure you there's some accusations. I can assure you there's some, you're crazy. What is rain? I've never even heard of this. I mean, it hasn't ever rained and you're building a boat. <laughs> what do you go, what's he going off of? A word from God. A word from God? And let me just ask you this. Are you giving people the word of God? I just feel by the spirit, I need to just go here. Are we giving people the word? Or are we giving people stories, opinions, and examples? Why do I say that? Because John 14 tells us that the Holy Spirit will remind us of one thing. 
And the Holy Spirit is not obligated or responsible to remind people of your stories, your opinions, or your examples. He's obligated to remind them of one thing, the word. Now, I thank God for the relatability and the relevance and the stories and the examples. And man, tell me how you've seen this work in your life. That's great. But at the end of the day, we got to give people the word of God. Noah had to go off the word. He had nothing else. If, if you had nothing else to go off of but the word, could you live off that? Is it that important to you? Is it that valued? Is it that? Abraham had to go off of a word. We get a little insight in, in Romans and Hebrews, and we learn that, you know, he, he remained in hope even against hope. Like, meaning there's no condition for hope here, yet I have my hope firmly Planted. We just talked about confidence and assurance and I'll rest in your faithfulness and, and I'll see your promises come to pass. How do you get there? It's because you remain fixated on his word, not the natural conditions and, and indicators. And so anyways, he says in verse eight, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. The heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your weights and my thoughts, higher than your thoughts. An invitation to come up, an invitation to see what God sees. This is what it says in verse 10. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Verse 11, this is what it says. It is the same with my word, I send it out and it always, everyone say always. I send it out and it always produces fruit. What's that mean? If he spoke something over your life, he is now obligating himself to perform it to fruition. He is now, he's, he is one and the same with his word. I speak my word and it goes forth and it will accomplish. You know, there, there, there are two ways that God works. Number one, there is a way that God works where it doesn't require any participation on your part. It's happening whether you participate or not. But then there are ways and times where it's conditional. I'll ask you, were the Israelites given the promised land? The Hebrew slaves, were they given the promised land? Answer is yes. Did they walk in it? Answer is no. They died in a wilderness. It was conditional. If you don't want to believe, if you don't want to accept the promise, you don't want to stand on my word, if you want to take cues from the giants and the fortified cities and, and you want everything to talk you out of, uh, uh, allow everything to talk you out of, the very thing I'm trying to talk you into, then you're not going to see it. But did somebody end up inheriting the promised land? Yes, they're children. It's going to happen either way. The question is not uh, uh, if it will happen. The question is, will you be able to participate? Will you, come on, participate with what God is doing? There are some conditions. His word will perform. The, the question is not, is God working and moving or not? Is he healing and delivering or not? Is he setting free or not? Is he still doing the things that he did in the Bible or not? No, the question is, will I participate? So I can see them manifest in my life and in my time and in my age and in my community and in my spheres of influence. 
But the word's going to happen. He's going to find, if he doesn't find a Noah, he'll find someone. He doesn't find an Abraham, he'll find someone. Doesn't find a Moses, he'll find someone. God is not like, well, it's, it's all up to this person whether they say yes or not. No, he'll find a candidate. No, he says, my word will produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. Man, what a promise. Guys, the most reliable thing you have in your life is God's word. It's time that we get back to relying on the word and depending on, he, he's, there are people in the Bible that relied on the word of God without a Bible better than we do with a Bible. And you know why? It's because they had the word in spirit, not just the word in text. Sometimes we take for granted, we've got Bibles laying all over the place that we fail to put it right here. Treasure it in your heart. The word you treasure is the word you'll see come to pass. The word you value is the word that you'll see come to fruition because his word will accomplish what it is sent to do. Yeah, he said, it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. This is the vision coming to pass now. Where nettles grew, myrtles will, will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power. Verse 11 in the Amplified Isaiah 55 and verse 11, the Amplified says, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void, meaning use, useless without result, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Remember, we always say this, when God speaks a word, he doesn't speak a word to say a thing. He speaks a word to do a thing. It's how God gets stuff done by speaking the word. That is literally the work of God. The word of God is him literally, when he speaks a word into something, he's working in it. He's moving in it. And so we have to treasure that word because it's literally how we see things come to pass. Now, here's, the, here's, the, here's where we usually will stop short. We'll get the word, the vision, where God's directing. We're getting this vision. Now we're finally starting to live with faith, live as a visionary. We'll get the word in our heart, but there's another step. We've got to get that word in our mouth. We've got to get that word in our mouth. You will not see the vision come to pass if it's not something you're talking about if it's not something you're producing out of your mouth. Remember, it's not you producing the results, it's God's word producing the results, but you have to send the word. You have to sow the word as well. And so I would challenge you on this next point. What are you saying? In whatever arena God has directed you, 
whether it's a problem, whether it's a frustration, whether it's a, a certain condition that you know is out of alignment, maybe it's a marital issue, maybe it's a family issue, maybe it's a financial issue, what are the words coming out of your mouth? And I know this, that I, just speaking from experience, speaking on my own, it's always easier to say what it is than what I want it to be. It takes no effort at all to just, it comes out of my mouth on accident. This is never going to change. We say things, confession. And we don't, guys, let me tell you, the word, it's not just the word of God that has power. The Bible says that our, the, the, the power of life and death are in the power of the tongue. You contain the power to produce death out of your mouth the same way you can produce life out of your mouth. And so whatever our words that we're saying, he's given us this vision, we're writing it down, we're making it plain, we're keeping it in front of us, we're getting it deep within our heart, we're treasuring the word of God. Are we taking this next step of speaking the word? Because his word will accomplish. So, you know, a lot of times we get people there, they're, they're challenged with the issue of confession or, you know, declaring things and speaking things. Oh, you're just trying to make it happen. No, no, no. I'm just giving place for the word to start working and producing. But if I'm not putting the word in my mouth, then I'm not sowing that word into a situation for it to produce. And he already said the word will accomplish what I sent it to do. But the question is, is it stopping with you? Some of us have gotten a word, but we're not speaking a word. For some people, confession and speaking things out of your mouth uh, is weird. Or fantasy. Now, this is not a, if I say it, it will happen. Because now you're putting the pressure on you to make it happen. And the pressure was never meant to be on you and never will be on you. I'm not doing it. When I say by his stripes, I'm healed, I'm not doing that as an exercise to get my healing. I'm getting the word of God in an avenue. I'm speaking the word of God, sowing the word of God as a seed that comes down from heaven. It waters and it will accomplish that which it, sent it, that which it was sent to do. But I'm activating it with my mouth. I'm, so, I'm now going out and I'm sowing that word over my situation. When I start speaking the promises of God, I'm not the one that has the power. The word has the power, but I'm the carrier of the power. Huh? It, it, I mean, any of these instruments up here, uh, except for my instrument, the one I was playing, every other instrument requires some level of power. And you can have all these pedals and all these awesome guitars and equipment and all the stuff that we have, uh, you know, have uh, accumulated over time. But if, if, if it's missing the connection, it's just the carrier of the power. That, that body and those strings aren't the power. But it's got to be hooked up to the power in this room for it to make a sound. These speakers up here, all this stuff, it doesn't do anything. It's just the carrier. But notice that if, they, if we don't have the carrier and just the power, the woman with the issue of blood recognized, I've got to hook up to something. I've got to hook up. She had a vision. She had a vision. She heard about Jesus. 
The Bible even tells us that she thought within herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. She got a vision, a big vision, a daunting vision, a vision that could have easily been crushed little by little over time after every doctor she's gone to until she's empty of any financial resource. She spent all that she had on doctors, but only grew worse. She had a vision. If I just touch the hem, come on, what is the vision that you have today? And are you sewing it back out? And she recognized, I've got to connect. I'm going to tell you right now, her connection was not her hand to his garment. The connection was her faith to his power. That was just the tangible place. That was just the, the action that was proving faith always has corresponding action. What are you doing? You're believing, what are you doing? But it started with an imagination. It started with the vision. I see my, man, I just press, man, he's right there. If I just get in there somehow, press in, touch his garment, I know I'll be made whole. The Roman centurion had a vision. My servant, he suffers at the house. He's at the point of death. Okay, well, I'll come lay his hand. No, you don't even have to do that. Just speak the word only. And my servant will be healed. In so many of these cases, Jesus made this statement. Your faith has made you whole. He doesn't say my power has made you whole. My faith has made you whole. My miraculous ability has made you whole. My heavenly thinking. He said, your faith has made you whole. Now, it's a matter of how are we speaking these things out in a way that my confession is not what's making it happen. His power is making it happen, but my confession is carrying his power. His word never returns Boy, we like to say it this way. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. This is when you start exercising like God. This is when you start recognizing, wait a minute, his words created the universe. His word put the trees where they are and put the waters where they are and put the stars where they are and put the planets where they are and put the, put the sun, the moon and put us, brought us into his words, spoke, he spoke things into existence. If his words can do that, his words in my mouth can be just as powerful as his words in his mouth. It's the word of God. Amen, it's the word of God. It begins with a vision, but it doesn't end with a vision. It begins with a vision. It begins with an imagination. It begins with thinking big, seeing big, imagining big, and just getting outside of our natural conditions. But then there's got to be, what are my words saying? Because if you think you've got big vision with small words, it's not happening. You'd be amazed at how your words become the outlet. The avenue through which the power of God can now flow. It's not mystical. It's not fantasy. 
It's not fortune telling. It's not, uh, you know, just name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, whatever else they've thrown out there. No, this is me connecting with the word of God. And the word confession actually means agreement. It means to come into contract with, come under contract with. That's what I tell people all the time. It's like, I'm not making it up. I think think that Jesus took those stripes and I think he took them on his back for, for my healing. I just, I claim that. That's what the word says, Isaiah chapter 53. 1 Peter 2, 24. It actually says in, in Peter, by his stripes you were healed. Before you were sick, you were healed. <laughs> come on. We're not, what, guys, we're not trying to come from behind and catch up. The devil can only attack us in the places where we are ignorant or where we're not actively using the word of God. So we've got to get our confession in alignment with our imagination. That's what I'm trying to connect here tonight. You got an imagination. You got a vision. It's a big vision. Man, write it down. Make it plain so that you can run with it. But it's got to be in your mouth. And it will not return void. It will not return void. Look at this in uh, Mark chapter 11. Try to follow this here and wrap it up right here. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Some more of my favorite verses. The New King James, verse 22 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. And the Amplified, verse 22 says, have faith in God constantly. But I like the Passion Translation. It translates it more a little clearer to its original interpretation. In the Passion, it says this, let the faith of God be in you. The actual way Jesus worded this, said this in the Greek was, have the God kind of faith. That's really what that verse says in verse 22. Have the, meaning have the faith that God has. Do you know God has faith? God believes in something that he does not. This is how he operates. He's a visionary. He imagines things. He sees things way before they actually come into natural existence. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so this says we ought to tap into the way God works, the way God believes, the way God creates these things and has these things take place. It starts with having the faith of God, having faith in God. Verse 23 in the New King James, going back there, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And here it is, does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It's interesting in that verse that you see the word says three times, but you see the word believes one time. I heard a minister say one time that you ought to be believing it three, you ought to be saying it three times as much as you believe it. Now, here's the thing. You cannot talk yourself into believing but you can believe yourself into talking. 
we got to understand which direction this. I'm not just saying it just to say it and so I can get it, so I can talk myself into it. I got to grab it here in my spirit and then it's got to be produced out of my mouth in my words. That's how it works. If you don't have it here, saying it is just going through the motions. Saying it is the practice of it without the believing of it, the essence of it that causes it to really come to pass. But you've got to believe it in your heart. And it also says without doubting not partnered with doubt, not laced with doubt, not, uh, you know, a little bit. The the Bible tells us that the double-minded man should not expect to receive anything. He's unstable in all his ways. Now, I got to be convinced in my heart. And then a lot of people will use confession as a way to talk themselves. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. But you know, you believe that doctor's report way more than you believe the word of God. So we got to work on the believing side. But once you believe it, now it needs to come up out of your mouth. If you believe it in your heart, don't keep saying, well, we'll see what happens. Well, they gave me this much time. Well, we haven't seen any. Man, start saying what you want to see. If you will say what you want to see, eventually you'll see what you've been saying. Amen. Amen. Just say amen anyways, if you know, even if it was confusing. So you are like, say, see, so, so, what? In the Amplified, Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place. It will be done for him in accordance with God's will. This is another kicker that we've got to keep in place. Confession is not, you know, God answering all of your prayers. Huh? It's not God bringing all your wishes. Confession is not how you get God to do what you want. It's how you start doing what God wants. Remember, it's God's word that doesn't return void. It's God's, it's God's word that accomplishes a, a, a thing, uh, fulfills an assignment, brings something to pass. It will not return void. But you know what? Your word will return void if it's not partnered with his word. Your word will, will bring death. Your word will be unanswerable. No, it's about getting his word in my heart so much so that it comes out of my mouth. I'm speaking, I'm confessing, I'm agreeing with what God has already said in his word. And now it's about getting what God wants, not God getting what I want. So we have to get the word of God in our heart and in our mouth. We'll read this whole thing in the Passion Translation. Beginning with verse 22 again, Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Listen to the truth I speak to you. Whoever says to this mountain with great faith and does not doubt, mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it and it will be yours. Father, we thank you tonight. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.